0: Hello, hello. Uh, Geez, it was such a wonderful time of singing um, this morning. A couple of interesting things happened. Maybe you wouldn't even have been aware of. The first thing we sang, happy birthday to my wife Lauren. Why is that so interesting? Uh, Because that's the one thing we forgot to do as a family yesterday. Uh, We did celebrate her birthday and we had a great time together, but we didn't sing around a cake. And... uh, and and uh, and I think and Lauren's heart she wished we had, and um, yeah yeah, um, and then we we got to church this morning and totally unplanned and totally unknown to me we sang as a family happy birthday so that's just a beautiful picture of church as a family, and um, that's what DNA is all about. Maybe this is the kind of church where you want to be part of the family um, and live that out, and so that's really good. And the other thing I want to say to you is. Um, we sang prophetically. I don't. I don't. You may not may not even have realised. We sang. We praise you, Lord, in another language. Uh, is, was that also we were singing, or was it Zulu? So we were speaking. We were singing. We praise you, Lord, in Klasa. Now. We are going to be doing something this morning we 're going to be looking at god 's word and it 's going to be challenging to us in profoundly i think south african ways and So uh, once you open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter eleven, follow along in your own Bible. This is the one opportunity where you can um, actually if you 're on a device and that 's where your Bible is as well, log on on your device and uh, open your u version i don 't know if you use the Bible app u version. What a fantastic app to use. Um, it's, you've got every translation you could ever wish for on your version for free at your disposal on your phone. You can highlight it. You can take notes. It's brilliant. It will also be up on the screen. And so as you make your way to Genesis chapter 11, first book in the Bible, 11 chapters in, let me also quickly give you an update. I'm so excited. You've seen a lot of construction happening over the past few weeks. We've been creating more spaces for next gen to meet in. And so pretty soon, I reckon the next few weeks, we're going to have another room in order for our Ignite and Kids Rock to be able to split further as we kind of ease our way into the space week by week, month by month, kind of more and more uh, getting to work with all nations to customize it. For us to meet in, have we got enough chairs for us today? Has everybody got a chair? It looks like it's getting tight, eh? Uh, yes, yes, I see that hand through the door over there as well, Tim. Good to see you through the doorway. Um, this is exciting, man. It does feel a bit like the early days of a church again, hey? Eh? The early days of a church starting and uh, the life of God. And so we're going to keep working out how best to steward all of this life. But uh, let's open up our hearts to the scriptures as we pick up the story in Genesis after the flood, we didn't get to look at uh, Noah's ark and the flood, just not enough time. We now pick up the story a little bit later in uh, Genesis chapter 11, and we're looking post the flood after Noah and after all Noah's sons and daughters and family have kind of spread a little bit. Here we pick up our story, Genesis chapter 11, and reading from verse 1, but we're going to do a little excursus straight away, a little, little side street straight away off this one. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. The whole earth. Now, before we continue, a brief aside before we get into today's message. Does that mean that everybody in the whole world spoke the same? Don't answer out loud. Does that mean that everybody in the whole world spoke the same language, even in Australia and Iceland? Think about it for a second. I mean, the Bible did say the whole earth there. We saw it there together. Let Let me explain my answer. I think the answer is no. And let me tell you why. The Bible was written for you, but it was not written to you. The Bible was written for you, but it was not written to you, which means that God did supernaturally inspire the words and chapters and books, put it together in order to reveal who God is and in order to to reveal His will to all of us. You can trust this book, the Bible, whether it be in paper or whether it be on device, 100% with your life, because all of it was inspired by God, but it was inspired through an original author to an original audience, and you and I are hearing it through them. Which means we need to, when we read the Bible, understand what did it mean to them then in order to understand what that means to us now. Does that make sense? We've got to go back to them then to understand what he was actually saying and meaning so that we can understand what it means to us now. Now, interestingly, this Hebrew phrase that was used for the whole earth can mean both limited region, and it's used like this throughout the Old Testament, limited region as well as the whole earth. I think in this instance, actually the whole earth is the correct, uh, the correct translation of it as well as I've looked at it. But... Even uh, though I think it means the whole earth, you need to understand what the original author was thinking when he said the whole earth. He was totally oblivious to the reality of Iceland and Australia on the other side of the world. When he thought of the whole earth, it was the whole world that he knew of and the way in which he thought about it. And so when we take the whole earth and we take our understanding of this blue spherical globe, and we translate that into there. What we're doing is we're taking an understanding that he never had in mind and we're putting it into that passage. And the danger is we can make it mean something that he was never originating, originating, originally intending for it to say. So all that to say, when we read the Bible, it is inspired 100% by God. You can trust it with your life. But there are times when we've got to do a bit of extra work to understand what was God saying then to them in order that we can work back to understand what it means to us now. Does that make sense? Helpful. We've been doing this a lot in Genesis. Now, that may well have been the case of the whole earth, but we need to understand that wasn't in his mind when he wrote this then. Anyway, let's jump back into our passage. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 2. And as people migrated from the east, they found um, a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. In other words, let's make bricks and let's make them strong. And they had brick for stone and they had bitumen for mortar. Okay, so what have we got going on here? Let's pull the context together. What we've got here is we've got a group of people who are very similar. They they, they all speak the same language. They all sound sound the same way. They have an easy time understanding one another, a very easy time connecting with one another, and they choose to settle in one place together. This is a community, but it's a community of sameness, right? They, They get each other easily. But it's also a community with bricks and stones and building materials. Building materials. It's a community of means, of resources. What we've got here is we've got a community of sameness with resources. Does that make sense as we read that passage together there? What's going to happen with this community that's very homogenous and very same and very understanding and all speak the same language and all sound the same way and all same, 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 etc., who now have resources? Verse 4 Shows us. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. They're building a city with a tower. Often, this passage we notice the Tower of Babel passage, right? And uh, or the Tower of Babel passage, and we know it, and and we 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 know it by the tower, and we read it as if the whole the whole problem of the passage centers around the tower, as if God doesn't like big buildings, and God wants to stop them from building a big building in case they actually get up to heaven where He is. And so much of the emphasis is put on the tower, but actually, if you read the narrative, the emphasis is on the city with a tower. This is a city more than just a tower. It's a city with a tower. This is very important because whenever you bring a group of people together and you give them resources, very quickly it will show you what is in their hearts. Very quickly it will show you what they care about. It will show you what they desire, what they love, what they fear. Resources uh, expose what's in our hearts I think far more than scarcity does. I mean, we all speak of lockdown as lockdown a way that pressure came to our lives. And in the pressure of lockdown, it exposed some stuff that was quite scary in us. And pressure really does expose us. Scarcity really does expose our hearts. But so too does resources. Because what you're able to do when you've got resources is you're able to externalize in the world what is internal in your heart, what you desire, what you fear, what you love the most. You're able to now build and create. And that thing is able to materialize in the world. And it's exactly what starts to happen here. As, as as people begin to construct a city that is based out of what is inside their hearts. And so what is inside their heart? What is being exposed in this passage? And here's what we find. As human beings, we tend towards three S's. As human beings, we tend towards three S's. We tend towards sameness, we tend towards self, and we tend towards security. Sameness. These guys didn't have cultural, historical, and language barriers. They all spoke the same language. They all got on easy. There was lots of sameness. It was a homogenous community of human beings who tend to cluster around sameness. It's the same. It's true of us today. We tend to cluster around sameness. It's the first thing we see. The second thing we see is around self. Let us build a great city with a giant tower so that everybody can see how amazing we are, right? Right? Let us let us build this great tower so everyone can see how amazing we are. It's not the last time in history we ever see this, right? All throughout civilization, people are building great big towers so everyone can see how amazing our city is. You've got Pisa, you've got Eiffel Tower, you've got Big Ben, you've got, I mean, Sorry, my American friends, you got Trump Tower. I mean, it's a statement of greatness. It's a worship of self. Look how amazing I am. I think I think it's at Dubai who's just bought, built the, the tallest building in the whole world in their city so that everyone can know just how amazing we are. It's an obsession and a worship with self is what's going on here. It's a monument to our amazingness. We see as human beings, we tend towards sameness. We tend towards self and, uh, and the glorification of self. And the second one is, or the third one is we tend towards Security. The primary focus of a city in those days was safety and security, their strength in numbers in this big, bad, and dangerous world. And so they built a wall so as to keep everybody else out, to keep the big, bad world out of their lives. Lest, they be, lest we be scattered, we get to stay together in the safety, and we get to keep power, lest we be dispersed out into this dangerous world. In essence, what we've got here is a self-seeking community, not so much a great big tower as much as perhaps a gated community with a great big structure to show the world just how amazing we are and powerful we are. It's this gated community of sameness, of homogeneity, where everyone looks the same, speaks the same, and is working together to create a sense of security and safety and keep power for themselves. Here's the thing, all of these things are in defiance of God. Because if you remember, we've been on our origins journey. This is origins week nine. Between week one and week eight, we've we we've seen a couple of things about how God called us to live as human beings. Think back to the first few weeks where God said, I'm going to make human beings in my image. We were created to worship God. Instead of worshiping God, we 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 now we make towers to show how great we are, right? We were meant to be the image of God, reflecting God. Now we create idol, or towers to be images of how amazing we are. Instead of worshiping God, we worshipped ourselves. And then remember too, Genesis one twenty-eight, and God blessed them, and and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Don't stop here. Go, go to the ends of the." earth carry the image of God as far as you can into the world because God is in it's in God's heart to see the furthest reaches of the world to to have image bearers who reflect his likeness and his nature across the globe again echoed in in chapter 9 and verse 1 post the flood as Noah comes uh, as Noah's released into the world this is what God says to Noah again echoing and God blessed Noah and his sons and he said to them be fruitful multiply it's an echo and fill the earth. He's saying, don't settle, go. Carry, the, carry the, the nature and the likeness of God as far as you can so as to take Eden and extend it all over the globe. It's God's heart. And instead, we settle in safety and security. It's a defiance. God, you said go, but we want to we stay lest we be scattered. And this continues. It's this pattern of sameness. Build a wall. Keep it inside. Look after ourselves. And make sure we're okay, that continues throughout history. It's one of the oldest narratives, I think, in all the world. It's one that shapes who we are as South Africans, isn't it? I mean, if we've we, we got to look honestly at these things, I know it's tough. I, I, I've been prepping this for a week. It's been tough on my own heart. I, I, I live in a community that looks just like that, just across over there. I live in a group of houses where I feel a lot of this myself. As South Africans, it's the story of our past. It's the story of apartheid, where one racial group looked around the world and felt threatened and gathered together all the people that looked the same as them and drew a circle around us and then used the resources to create a world of safety and security for themselves so as to keep power and keep others out. And that's the legacy of apartheid. They're still alive in our city right now in this moment. It's, it's as if Babel is not, Babel is not just, sorry, B- B- Babel uh, means confused. And, it, and you'll see the story just now. The tongues, it's almost like they're babbling, babbling. And it, it, there's this little play on words here. So I keep saying Babel is Babel um, because it's a confusion around word as well. Um, It's as if Babel is a spirit, a spirit whereby sameness and self and security and self-worship and power shapes the way the world works. If you look back through history, you'll see Babel and you'll see Babel and you'll see Babel because Babel is what's in the heart of human beings. It reveals our tendency towards clumping together in sameness. It reveals our tendency to want to be with people just like ourselves, to collaborate, to get to keep power, to keep wealth and to keep others out. And as we see in a second, it's an incredible. Incredibly powerful force, yet... It's an incredibly destructive force as well in the world. As we look on, what is God going to do about Babel? In uh, chapter uh, 11 and verse 5, And then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Just worth pausing there. And then the Lord came down. They built this big tower that was going to reach up to the heavens. And I think God is being sarcastic in the way he speaks. Now I've got to come all the way down to this little puny tower on the ground. It's quite, you've got to see the sarcasm in here. God is saying, this tiny, you thought you were, let me just, show you I've got to step all the way down uh, stoop to get to this thing and the Lord said behold they are one people and they have one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing they propose will now be impossible for them come let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may they may not understand one another's speech so the Lord dispersed them from there all over the face of the earth and they left off building the city see the emphasis on the city And therefore its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them all over the face of the earth. The very thing that they feared losing, their community of sameness, is the very thing that they end up losing in this as God breaks them up. The way I, 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 There's two ways you can read it. It could be that God kind of put a magic spell on them and they could no, no longer understand each other. They're busy building a wall and one guy says, please pass the bricks. And the next guy says, blah, 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 blah. and it just, you know what I mean? And it becomes, it, it, that's one way of reading. Another way is also, it's just that, that that they began... There was an animosity. There was, there was a conflict. They, they could no longer understand each other the way that they used to. And so in the kind of conflict, they, they, they were broken up and they were divided. I don't quite know exactly which way it went, but, but either way, it was God who came down and broke them up. It was God who took this community of sameness that was collaborating to keep it all and to, to not go into the world. And he broke it up, and they got the very same thing that they were hoping not to get. This passage is not just an explanation of the origin of where all human languages come from, but rather it's a a, a window into the tendency of a human heart to pursue sameness and security and self, rather than trust God to live lives of worship and mission and community and going. And in the process, they lost the very thing that they were trying to keep was their community. It's a terrible story as God kind of dismantles the whole thing. Next week, we're going to look at the, the rescue mission that God now sends and God begins in order to, to reach these very nations. But today, I want to, to transition by, by looking at what's God's answer to Babel, and we find it in the New Testament as we look at the day of Pentecost. We've seen the day of Babel, so to speak, but the New Testament gives us a vision of a kind of anti-Babel, an altogether different way of living that comes from the Holy Spirit as he comes upon his church. Next week, Sunday, the church remembers the day of Pentecost. So we're getting like a week head start on that. Let's look together, Acts chapter 2 now, flip all the way from from Genesis right through the fifth book of the New Testament, the book of Acts. Let's read from chapter 2 and verse 1. The context is Jesus has just descended into heaven as Pete led us so well this morning. That was Thursday. And uh, he's told his disciples to wait, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And the Spirit would come and he would fill them and he would empower them and he would guide them and he would continue, help, help the disciples to continue the work of Christ in the world. And so let's read together Acts chapter two and verse one and see if you can hear the, the, the Babel story echoed in what God is undoing in this chapter. Have a look with me. And when the day of Pentecost, Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven 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 from heaven, a loud sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. It's the exact opposite of what we saw. It's not one nation uh, all the same, understanding each other, now no longer able to understand each other. Now you've got many nations. Remember I spoke about the prophetic singing "Closer that Christ is Lord. Singing that earlier, you've got many nations, many languages now coming together, not being dispersed, except now they're able to understand one another. And at the same time, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are are not all these people speaking Galileans? And how is it that we can hear each of us in his own native language? And now the list is Parthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, um, Pergia, uh, Pamphylia, I'm going quite fast here, e- Egypt, and all the parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, uh, Cretans, Arabians, we all hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Isn't that incredible? It's an anti." babel now we've got people from different languages different livelihoods a diversity of people but they all come together in one place they're brought there by god and it's god's spirit that rests on them and when god's spirit rests on them he divinely enables them to connect with each other to communicate with one another in a way in which they can understand each other in spite of their differences and and it all centers around worshiping christ in babel it was around glorifying the self Now it's centered around worshiping Jesus and God divinely by his spirit enables them to worship Christ and to understand each other in a profoundly different way. And now diversity comes comes together to form worship and fresh understanding of community. God is undoing Babel In that moment in the world, now it's a spirit-empowered worship that creates an altogether new form of community. And it's this new worship that leads to a new community. And people are able to understand each other freshly and so much better than they ever could in their sameness. I know this is a tough word for us, guys. I stand before you as as a leader in this congregation with all my heart. I long to see us be a people who can cross racial divides, who can crush, cross income divides. And it's difficult, and there's history, and it's hard. But I know that to be spirit-empowered people means the spirit of God is in us. The momentum of God is in us to be those kinds of people who can cross divides. And, and, and we've got to bear in mind what, what Babel means because we live in a city that is probably one of the most segregated cities in all of the world. And and, and we live in a part of the city that is probably one of the most segregated parts of one of the most segregated cities and one of the most segregated countries in the entire world. That's what we're up against. But the Spirit of God is with us and is for us. And I believe with all my heart, if we would be a people who would recognize the tendency in the heart of all human beings, repent of that in our lives and trust the Spirit of God to help us, to coach us, to, to, to enable us to understand one another, to give each other the benefit of the doubt, to enable us to go out of our way. To, to I mean, it was the intentionality of apartheid that got it so wrong, you know, was so powerfully, it worked so powerfully because it was so intentional. It's going to take that same kind of intentionality in each of us as we seek to to love across divides and across barriers around inviting people into our homes rather than having homes that are like little circled off babels around our dinner tables. And if we do this around our homes, if we do this around our dinner tables, we're gonna be part of a wave of being an anti-Babel in the South Peninsula. We're gonna see this reflected in our worship too and in our gatherings as well. But I wanna stand before you and say, as I read that text, I see the tendency of man's heart exposed. And I see it and I feel it as a human being as well. But I also see the power of Christ to enable us to be more. And I wanna ask you, Will you join me today as we freshly enlist to be the presence of anti-Babel in our part of the world as we actively combat the tendency of human beings towards sameness and self and we take a risk empowered by the spirit around our dinner tables, around our homes to bridge that gap. Can we stand together and can we worship and really just enable and ask God to, to minister to our hearts? I trust as we look at God's word, there's no guilt in this place. Really, you've got to hear me here, guys. I, there's, a, there's a difference in the scriptures between guilt or condemnation and and a sense of conviction where God is working. Con- guilt and condemnation is, wow, I've seen something in the Scriptures. It's very challenging. And God has now pulled away from me. Conviction is a sense of I've seen something in the Scriptures. It's very challenging. Now God has moved towards me to empower me and help me to do it. This is what I believe God would do in us. So can I lead us in a prayer as we come before God? God is, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. All those years ago... They were wandering around kind of in the desert, and yet in their hearts, when the resources were there, it was sameness, it was security, it was self that was exposed. And God, if we're real honest with ourselves today, I mean, we can relate, God. It's so easy. Homogeneity just, it, it is easy. We, we kind of fall towards it, Lord. our minds drift so quickly to an obsession with self when we look at a photograph how do we know if a group photograph is a nice photo we look for ourselves if we look good we're happy it's a great photograph God we 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 just we 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 do it God we tend to we we focus on self We, we tend towards safety and security toward not going God, we see in your spirit a way out, a way of rebelling against those tendencies in our culture and embracing a vision for a people who know you, who love you, and who are able to know and love each other in fresh ways, ways that defy culture, ways that defy Babel, Lord Jesus. And so we ask Holy Spirit, I mean, you did so much at Pentecost, but among many things, you enabled a people to love each other across boundaries of culture, across boundaries of language, across boundaries of wealth and income brackets. God, you you brought a church together by your spirit in diversity that glorified you and led to a profoundly unseen form of worship before in the world. Jesus, we come before you and you say, God, would you help us? We recognize the legacy of apartheid, but we recognize the power of the gospel to be greater than that. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you come now and do a work in our hearts? God, give us the spirit of Pentecost. Give us the spirit of Pentecost in a world of, with the spirit of Babel. Give us a spirit of Pentecost. Would you close your eyes and pray those words in your own, pray, pray that prayer in your own words to Jesus as the band leads us in song now.